0: Welcome back to the sports. Be with Richard Holdridge. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key, out of Noonan, Georgia, and we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar Grill. Go jump and slide inflatables and backwoods barbecue. I got Jared Dillard back on the show. Jared, what a game Friday night. Lions get the win and the return of quarterback Mason Espinosa. How shocked were you up
1: in the booth when... You look down at the field and you saw number 15 come out of that tunnel. Well, I was really shocked. It's, it's almost like if we took a Hollywood script and wrote it up for a team fighting for that fourth and final spot in the NL standings, and out comes the reigning NAL MVP, Mason Espinosa, you knew the environment was different once everybody realized inside the Columbus Civic Center and watching on YouTube, you knew something special was about to happen, and we got what I would say is the best game of the NL season so far. An absolute classic, back and forth, multiple turnovers, multiple big plays, exciting all the way up to the end. I mean, I don't know if you could ask for anything more out of that game. I was completely shocked. Mason
0: came in, threw eight touchdown passes, four to Jarmon Fortson, three to Darian Townsend, and one to Kevin Fuller. But it was the play of Maurice Leggett with three interceptions. I don't know what was going through your mind, Jared, but when the Lions were down by 10, I didn't know if the Lions were going to be able to match San Antonio score for score because Robert Kenton was playing lights out as well. First of all, what a great quarterback performance between two savvy veterans in arena football. Robert Kent had an amazing game for San Antonio. But it was the play of Maurice Leggett that got the Columbus Lions back in front. And it was just a back-and-forth game. And And we're going to go ahead and break this game down. But, Jared, what was your thoughts about Columbus fighting for that playoff spot, that fourth and final playoff spot? And and San Antonio really wasn't a team that you wanted to face.
1: Yeah, no, look, San Antonio, I know how the season started for them. But I think everybody agrees that's not the same San Antonio team that started the season. It's a different team. You hope that next year when they come back, they can retain a lot of those players because they are an exciting team to watch. I think they fit the NAL perfectly. Uh, San Antonio loves them. They've had good attendance and they have a great quarterback and Robert Kent, 300 yards, eight touchdowns, 24 for 37. He had three interceptions. So you have to give it up to Maurice Leggett coming in there and just getting those three interceptions, especially when, both teams traded double-digit deficits, right? It was back and forth a way that I've never seen. Usually in a game, we'll see where a team will get out by seven to nine points, and they'll just keep trading back and forth. But because the Lions got a 10-point swing, then the Gunslingers got a 10-point swing, and the Lions come back, Like it was such an exciting back-and-forth game where multiple times you thought the the other team was completely out of it before something changed. And for the Lions, it was Maurice Luggett. Three interceptions, two pass deflections, one touchdown on the night. Definitely in the running, if not have been awarded a Defensive Player of the Week for the NAL. Uh, a complete masterpiece performance by Maurice Leggett and that defense that had a couple players go down, such as Rodney Hall, who ended up coming back into the game and playing an important part on that defensive side. Maurice Leggett definitely
0: will get defensive player of the week, at least for Columbus, but probably for the National Arena League. The only other game on the slate was Saturday night. Uh, Jacksonville was able to beat Carolina. Oh, I tell you, Jared, the National Arena League is nothing but chaos right now because Carolina – Right now is in first place at eight and four. Tell me, I don't know how Carolina and Jacksonville got to have two extra games, but they don't have a bye. They have two more games left to go. Jacksonville, seven and five. Albany is six and four and the Columbus Lions are five and five. Now, I know that they said in the newscasts and on the broadcast that the Columbus Lions clinched a playoff spot. But how does that work? What if Orlando, let's say Orlando does beat Albany next week in Albany, New York, which that's that's very slim. They are a heavy underdog. And then the final game of the season is Columbus versus Orlando. Both are 5-6. and six. Does Orlando get that final playoff spot if they beat Columbus and they have the same record? They
1: should because Orlando would hold the series on the Lions of this season. That's they, right. They, they should. Granted, I've not seen an NL rule book or know the tie-breaking procedures, but I have to assume – if you are tied the record, it's going to go first, like many sports, to head-to-head, what you did. And Orlando would hold it over Columbus in that situation. Um, but like you said, Orlando has to get their Albany first, which is a tall task. But like you said, even earlier than that, this league has been straight chaos this whole season. It has. And that and that's why like some people on the message boards or on the stream will be like, Oh, yeah, Columbus clinched because there's no way Orlando's going up to Albany and winning that game. I know there's many times where I said the same thing, and guess what? That team ended up winning. I didn't think that it, I didn't think that San Antonio was going to knock off Albany uh, at home to get that first one of the season. I didn't think that Columbus would manhandle Carolina like they did. At home. So I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't think Orlando can go up to Albany. Do I think Albany is the better team? Yes. Do I pick Albany to win? Yes. But I'm done making those kind of predictions. I have got so many playoff
0: scenarios because we got two weeks left in the season. Carolina it's eight, is eight and four. If Carolina loses to Jacksonville, I honestly feel with Albany at six and four, they've got a very easy. Two wins. I mean, at home against Orlando and San Antonio, Albany probably is in prime position to get the number one seed. And don't count out Columbus going up to Carolina this Saturday and pulling off the upset. I think with Mason Espinoza at quarterback, they are capable of winning just about any game, even if it's a game on the road. So it's going to prepare for an incredible, dramatic finish to the season. Yeah, so the Carolina Cobras, they take on the Columbus Lions next week, and then they wrap up the season with the Jacksonville Sharks again. Let's say the Columbus Lions beat Carolina next week, and then Jacksonville loses to the San Antonio Gunslingers, and if Jacksonville beats Carolina, Carolina's final record will be 8-6, and six, and Columbus would be 7-5. and five. We'd have to figure out the winning percentages to see who would get the number one seed. And then let's say this is even crazier. What if Albany drops both games to San Antonio and Orlando and Albany goes six and six right now, Jacksonville stands at seven and five. They could go eight and six. You could have two, eight and six teams. And then Columbus is seven and five. Columbus has the tiebreaker with Jacksonville. Oh, it's just crazy. I didn't think that these teams that are fighting for playoff spots would would just have so much parity, and, and everything would just be chaos right now. We're
1: in chaos, Jared. Yeah, usually by this time of the season, especially going the last two weeks, there's always the one or two teams that have kind of separated themselves from the pack, and usually three through six is battling get out. For me, since I've been doing it, this is the first time that we've seen pretty much all five teams, I don't count Orlando just yet, but five teams still battling their way around this seeding scenario. It's a lot of fun. Uh Jacksonville's caught storm. They have the league best three-game winning streak. And they can easily find themselves on top and hosting. Uh for the Lions, they probably do want to end up trying to find their way to the two seed for the sole fact that once again the Lions are one and four on the road this season. If they're going to win the NAL championship, they gotta figure out how to win on the road. Good great at home, but on the road has been a problem. I know in the last podcast we did, uh, when when talking uh, to our guests, he said that look, one thing that we gotta figure out, we just gotta figure out how to win on the road. Oh man, but Jared, I'm
0: I'm telling you, like we got two more games left to go in the regular season. We don't know what seed the Lions are gonna get. We we don't there's so many scenarios and it confuses things. When Carolina and Jacksonville gets to play two extra games in the season, uh, how did the league uh, have that happen? I mean, I I thought that the teams would have an even amount of games. How did Jacksonville and Carolina come out to play 14 games instead of 12?
1: Um, I don't know the answer to that, uh, but I can at least speculate that for those two teams, they wanted to play those extra games to get extra revenue from ticket sales and such. Um, and that the league, uh, owners decided that in a case of a tiebreaker scenario, they would use instead of like straight up seven to five or seven to five, they'll use winning percentage as a tiebreaker. Um, that's my educated guess, but once again, kind of in dark on that one.
0: As I am as well. Well, the regular season is almost wrapping up. They're taking on the Carolina Cobras this weekend. We don't know if Jonathan Bain is going to come back as quarterback. Malik Henry could be in as the starter. But if you saw that Carolina-Jacksonville game, Jacksonville was dominant from start to finish at the Veterans Arena on Star Wars night. It looked like the force was very strong with the Jacksonville Sharks as they dominated the Carolina Cobras.
1: I mean, yeah, it was was over from the jump. I mean, Jacksonville got up to what I believe ended up being – a 27 to nil lead before Carolina found their way onto the board. Uh, but Carolina just did not look like themselves, almost reminiscent of when they came to the Columbus Civic Center and Columbus Lions, pretty much, for lack of better words, shocked and all of them uh, on the road. It could be that kind of same situation and they bounce back the next week at home. Thankfully, they are at home for them because it's easier to bounce back in front of a home environment. Uh, but they do have to do that with a you know new Mason Espinosa you have to prepare for and an offense that looks straight up anemic with Malik Henry at quarterback. What's the fix for that? It can Malik Henry figure that out in a week's time? Or do you just have to hope that Jonathan Bain can come back in time for the Carolina Cobras? Because with Bain under quarterback, the Cobras are one of the best teams in the league. Uh just taking a look, Jonathan Bain was placed on the seven day IR uh, on June 29th. So right now he, he's not listed uh, on the injured reserve list, but he may still be inactive for that next game, depending on uh, the injury report is going to come out later this week. So for right now, no word on what's going to go on with the Carolina Cobras, especially under center, which is going to be the big focal point. We've seen it with Carolina. And we with Columbus. The guy under center dictates the way these games play out. For the Lions, they've bounced around, but they got their guy back in Mason Espinosa. It's going to be a lot more stable for the Lions. Now they put up 79 points. It looked like the offense hasn't missed a step. And shout out to Mason because he looks like he, as well, has not missed a step. He played like he just hasn't skipped a beat. Like, like he was probably throwing
0: the football at, at practice. I mean, we all know that he's, the, the new uh, coach over at DePaul University, a Division three school in the NCAA, and he just did not skip a beat. And Coach Gibson did something very smart. He kept Mason on the inactive roster. And just in time for the game against San Antonio, he activated him, which it caused a a, a panic by fans of the league. They're like, what are we watching? I can't believe he's out there. And, and the other teams are like, oh, that, that's just not fair. I mean, the 2021 NAL MVP is back for three more games. It, it's like, it's like not fair. But we he was going to be our quarterback from the start of the season. But you know, he went on to a coaching career and we wished him the best of luck. But we were just so happy to see him back in a Columbus Lions uniform. And it was just great to see the performance he put on at the Civic Center.
1: Yeah, I I know that it caused a little bit of a a ruckus online. And I can understand it from an uh, opposing opponent standpoint. Um, Because you thought, hey, I thought he retired. I thought he wasn't with the team. How can he sign back? I know a a bigger thing was, how can he sign back? And there was no word of it, you know? Uh, How can San Antonio prepare for that? Um, it kind of reminds me, uh, with my favorite team, the Indianapolis Colts, Andrew Luck retired out of the blue. Hasn't been back since. But if you take a look at how things operate, the Colts still hold the rights to Andrew Luck. If he was to come back, he's still under contract with the Indianapolis Colts. That's kind of the same way that this kind of played out. You know, Espinoza left, went to go do his coaching duties at DePaul. And then when the Lions called him up and said, hey, do you want to come back? He was on the inactive list. They can activate him at any point, and he's back with the team. Um, so I know that for some fans, they're like, well, could this lead to teams stashing away players and activating them at a certain time? And I guess, yeah, that could happen. But in a league like this, not a lot of players would just sit and do nothing uh, while I, – I assume while you're inactive, you're not collecting a paycheck. Not many players are going to want to do that in that kind of situation. And I know that other people – have brought up whether or not you should impose a minimum play number to kind of prevent this from happening at the end of the season. And I get it, but that's also another situation where, well, this is the NAL. The Players change out all the time. So if you put a minimum seven games need to be played in order to play in the playoffs, what happens when a quarterback from, say, a different league hops over to join one of these teams because their league is done so, I and mean, somebody is a quarterback, but he has not play the minimum number of games? That's a kind of sticky situation that you play into. Um, but do keep in mind that the people making these decisions are the owners themselves. And I'm sure that they've discussed the situation even before that game happened. Uh, so just trust that they understand what's going on. They may revisit that, you know, in the off season. But for right now, uh, I don't see anything wrong with it uh, from the up and up standpoint.
0: Well, Jared, our final regular season home game will be July the 23rd against the Orlando Predators at the Columbus Civic Center. It's back-to-school night, just in time for the kids to enjoy a final regular season home game with the Columbus Lions right before they get ready to go back to school. I'm looking forward to that game. It's our final game, uh, unless they do host a home playoff game in the playoffs but right now, we don't know what is going to happen. The Lions could be the fourth seed. They could be the number two seed. It is just nothing but chaos. But I'm really looking forward to being back at up in the booth with you, calling that final uh, regular season home game. It's going to be a lot of
1: fun. Uh, it's the Predators. So usually the Columbus faithful always comes out for that kind of game. Like Jacksonville's a big rival. We understand that. But Orlando's right there with them. Orlando, they have a great fan base. They travel well. And it will be a lot of fun if Orlando is still in the running for that number four seed If they can find a way to knock off Albany. It's going to be a raucous environment, a fun environment. For, but for the Predators, got to take care of business. Four-game losing streak going up to Albany. I mean, it's going to be a tall task. But as we said, chaos reigns supreme so far in the National Arena League. And it could continue this weekend when you have all, all six teams We'll be playing uh, this Saturday, July 16th at 7 o'clock. No, we had two teams on buys, but the, for the next two weeks, everybody's playing with everything on the line. It's sure to be a lot of fun.
0: And with Columbus taking on Carolina, we've got Orlando taking on Albany, and Jacksonville has to go down to the Alamo to take on the San Antonio Gunslingers, which are always tough at home. I mean, that is going to be a very intriguing matchup to see Arville Nelson going up against Robert Kent. Are the San Antonio Gunslingers still alive for the playoffs?
1: I do not believe so, only because they don't hold a tiebreaker on the Columbus Lions. Um, So the only way I can think in my head that they could be in the playoffs is if the Lions have to drop the next two and the San Antonio Gunslinger have to win the next two, but then do they hold a tiebreaker on the Predators? I'm not really sure because there's, there's pretty much that, that at that point a three-way tie for that fourth and final seed. Um, I'll try to look at the San Antonio Gunslingers schedule right quick, but as far as I know, just trying to see if they hold a. A tiebreaker.
0: I I know that Orlando beat them in San Antonio week one, but San Antonio beat Orlando to pick up their first road victory in Orlando. And I'm not sure if they played for a third time.
1: Probably not. They did play for a third time.
0: They did. Okay.
1: Orlando beat them in week six. So Orlando should hold a two to one advantage on the gunslingers. So no matter what, even if those three teams all tied, it looks like the Predators would go because the Predators would have a tiebreaker on not only the Lions, but also the Gunslingers.
0: Well, I'm actually happy that the San Antonio Gunslingers were able to make it a competitive season. You just never know with these expansion teams. And Robert Kent is just a class act, a great veteran quarterback here in the Arena League. And I tell you what, we are just so happy that Mason Espinoza has returned to the Lions' den. And it's been... A very interesting season for Columbus. You know, they started out 2-0, and and then they dropped three straight. They had the uncertainty at quarterback. They had Darren Daniel. They had Danny Southwick. And then uh, let's give credit to Daniel Smith. He came in 2-0 as a starter, but then he lost his next two road games. But he played very well. And I think that with Daniel Smith still on the team, I think that there is a future for Daniel Smith. I think that he's going to be possibly the starting quarterback next season because he is a very mobile quarterback. He's good at rolling out of the pocket, and he's, he's good with his decision-making, getting rid of the ball quick. I mean, I think that that is a valuable quarterback to have. It's just that, I mean, come on, Mason Espinosa was the MVP last year. He is a game-changer, and uh, Daniel knows that. I mean, he knows that, and he knows that he's going to stay with the team, and he's probably going to have a future in a Lions uniform next season.
1: Yeah, you know, when we get down to this kind of part of the season, it's who puts you in the best position to win, and I think I think he knows that. So while it may not be his time right now that Espinosa coming back, uh, Espinosa is going to make his way back to DePaul University eventually, right? So who's going to take over? Uh, he has the, the keys to the car uh, for right now. Until, you know, maybe the Lions bring in another quarterback uh, to t- kind of compete. I've seen just in the last two years quarterbacks switch over from where they're at. Jonathan Bain switched over. Uh, we, we've seen, you know, Robert Kent wasn't with San Antonio last year. He's with them, he's with them this year. He can end up in uh, at another team next year. Uh, the, the league is so fluid in how many people move around. And you never know where these star quarterbacks end up.
0: Well, Jared, it's been another successful show uh, just talking about the Columbus Lions. Well, Jared, I, I appreciate you being on the show. And uh, I'll see you back at the Columbus Civic Center on the 23rd of July as the Columbus Lions take on the Orlando Predators. It'll be
1: fun. It may be the last, but oh, we don't know. We've got to see how things shake out in the NAM.
0: You never know. That's why I decided not to make any vacation plans for July the 30th, because you never know. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. Uh, It's been just an incredible season for the Columbus Lions. Stay tuned for tomorrow's episode. And, uh, Jared, I'll see you back here next week, and uh, hopefully we can get some guests on the podcast. It'll be a lot of fun. I can't wait. All right. Thank you for listening to the show, and I hope that everybody has a great rest of your day. Bye, everybody.